All right, that's uh, Memorial Day weekend. Glad you're here, and uh, we're experiencing all the weather of the year, it seems, in one weekend. So Memorial Day, we're here. And, uh, you know, obviously, for those of you that have served in the, in the military, I just want to say thank you. Uh, obvi- uh, we don't want to take it for granted. Uh, if, so if you're in the military, have served in the military, why don't you just uh, raise your hand quickly. We just uh, uh, appreciate who you are. Yep. It's, uh, it's a big deal. And, I, I, you know, I love that slogan that they've uh, come up with. Uh, some have given all. Uh, some have given, what, how does it go? We have all, all gave some and some gave it all. Something like that, right? All gave some and some gave it all. Uh, and uh, appreciate that. And when obviously when you sign up for the military, uh, you don't know, uh, you know what's going to be demanded of you. Uh, and in a similar way, you know, as we just opened this, uh, the, the sermon, we, we start with Christ and many of us as followers of Him, you know, some give something and some give it all. And Christ gave it all. He gave us uh, His life uh, in the fullest possible way, dying for us. Uh, I want to open with a story about this guy, John S- Stone Street. Uh, some of you uh, know him. Some of you have uh, get a... A weekly blog or his feed or listen to him on Breakpoint. Uh, but his uh, story uh, is particularly interesting, I think. And uh, for the youth today, I, I think you guys will be uh, tracking a little bit with his story. Uh, and uh, his story is this. He said he, he went to a, a, a Christian school growing up, and the Christian school was run by a church. He said, so pretty much uh, six days of the week, he was in the same building with the same teachers, learning the same Bible stories. And uh, by the time he got to ninth grade, uh, he wasn't exactly enthusiastic about uh, church or about God. Uh, and then the worst possible thing that he could imagine happened. Uh, just before winter break, uh, instead of having like no classes and no responsibilities, one of his teachers came up with a crazy idea that the kids should get together and go and visit old people. Now, uh, as he said, he couldn't think of anything more uh, unexciting than to pair up with another uh, classmate. So, you know, he's 14, and he's pairing up with a 16-year-old, and the obligation was they had to go and uh, visit two elderly shut-in folks. And so they come up with a plan, and they think, okay, look, we really want to go to the mall. We're really interested in, in the girls. We're really not interested in old people. So how about we visit one of them, and then we'll get out of there real quick, and we'll head over to the mall, and we'll just tell them we lost the address, we couldn't find the other one, and, and we'll be done. And so with that great spiritual plan, they head out, and, uh, and they go and, and, uh, and meet this, this uh, 89-year-old widow. And so uh, I just want to, uh, I can't even tell the story, it's, it's worth reading, it's so, it's so good. It says, so they, get, uh, they find this lady, 89-year-old, um, in a farm, and she's got a little house on the side of the farmhouse, and she says, just when we thought things couldn't get any more awkward, uh, Mrs. Buckner, that's the lady, she says, let's sing Christmas carols together. 
great. I mean, he's pictured as a 14-year-old and a 16-year-old who got no interest in wanting to be. And she said, let's sing Christmas carols together. And she, so he says, so we stumbled our way through Silent Night. And then she decided one carol was enough. Okay, no kidding. Uh, well, Miss Buckner, Brian said, we best be on our way. Yes, I lied. We still have one more person to visit before heading back to school. And then she asked, can we pray before you go? So I prayed and Brian prayed and it took about 45 seconds. <laughs> she said, and then Mrs. Buckner prayed. She said, at that point, I'd been in church my whole life. I'd heard thousands of prayers, but I'd never heard anything like this. I remember looking up just to make sure that Jesus wasn't sitting right next to her. <laughs> because it was sure sounded like he was. She spoke to God as if she knew him with a simultaneous confidence and humility that only comes when you're certain you're being heard. Anyway, we left her house and we headed to the mall, distracted by our plans to meet some girls. But I do remember, however, Brian, Brian saying to me, she's a cool old woman. And I agreed. Now, here's the funny thing. Two years later, I woke up and had the strangest feeling. Typically, I'd wake up thinking about basketball or my girlfriend. But I woke up this particular morning thinking of Mrs. Buckner. And to this day, I have no idea why. But, but I ended up going back down that windy road to a house. Mrs. Buckner, I said, you probably don't remember me. But two years ago, I came here with my friend Brian. My name is John. John, she smiled. I've prayed for you this morning. From that point on, Mrs. Buckner became a close personal friend. In fact, she prayed for me every day for the rest of her life. To this day, I cannot imagine what she prayed me in, into and what she prayed me out of. And then I found out that she had actually impacted many, many others in that community as well. You know... This story uh, impacts me on a whole number of different levels. Today I want to talk about faith expressing itself in love. But one of the ways that we express ourselves in love is by praying for others. And, uh, you know, here's somebody that's 89 years old. She's probably asking God, how can I make a difference? How is an 89-year-old person, can I be in fact impactful in the church or just, you know, how can I be used by you, God? And so she does what, you know, she can do. She can't do what she can't do. But, you know, here's some kids, they come to her house and who knows, she was probably praying, you know, God, let your will be done in my life, you know, send people to see me. And so some kids show up and she picks up on that. Man, if these people were here, let me pray for them. And she commits to praying for them. And it ends up making a huge impact. I mean, you know, this person writing this story, you know, he's now committed in full-time ministry. Uh, he does a whole a wonderful, uh, works for a wonderful organization, a, a Christian worldview, and impacting our culture with a Christian wor worldview. 
and uh, you know, just using like an intellectual, smart approach to uh, to regular life uh, situations. Uh, but here's a lady that's impacted somebody's life profoundly, even though she's an 89-year-old shut-in. And so, you know, if we're gonna live this life. Uh, and ask ourselves, God, you know, how do you use us? How can we live a life that uh, expresses our faith in you? And how can we do that in a way which is loving towards others? I mean, if an 89-year-old can do it, stuck in an isolated farmhouse, we can all do it. I mean, that's the part that's just so, so, so wonderful. And the other part is this. You know, often uh, we think if we're going to serve God, we need to, like, do things like build things or help, you know, in the summer feeding program in Milford, which is like totally awesome. And uh, if you do that, great. But, you know, there's a lot of other things we can do that aren't just building and painting and fixing things, as wonderful as those are, uh, like praying. I mean, you know, somebody that's really committed to, to praying, man, it's hard work. And if you're on the receiving end of somebody that's praying for you, it's a huge blessing. And people know when they're being prayed for. And even as parents, we know that we should be praying for our kids. And, you know, our kids know when we're praying for them. Uh, and yet we also know that this is, you know, hard work. So um, I do want us to be asking this question, you know, what is God asking of me? How do I express faith in love? What does faith look like as expressed in love? What does it look like in my life? How does it look like in your life? So uh, let me just uh, open in prayer and uh, ask God to empower us as we hear today. Holy Spirit, we just welcome your presence. I ask that you would empower my preaching. Lord, I pray that every person uh, present here today, in one way or another, would experience your love, would be encouraged by having a, a next step of what that relationship looks like with you and how you will work through them in meaningful ways. So Lord, I just pray power on this message. I pray for your spirit to be here to, to move and for you to do what only you can do, uh, which is to draw us to you. In your name, Jesus. Uh, amen. So, I'm preaching through, Jeff started last week and did a, a great uh, job if you were here last week, uh, but, but uh, I'm preaching through the book of Galatians. Now, I want to just back up for a second here and explain uh, a little bit about the preaching in this church and how we go about it, uh, because, uh, you know, firstly, all our sermons, I was kind of surprised, I was interviewed on the TV for Hopkinson uh, recently, and the lady's opening question to me was something like, uh, so how do you do church? I mean, uh, and the question, so I was like, where are you going with this? And she says, well, do you use the Bible? And I'm like, uh, without it, I don't know what I'd say, you know. And she says, oh, oh, so you use the Bible as your basis for sermons. And I'm like, what a strange question. I, I, I just like, it's just not on my my radar screen. So, you know, but, but then again, it was a helpful question because I'm thinking, okay, here's somebody that's 
not necessarily churched, and, and she's trying to figure out, well, what do we do on Sunday morning, and, and what's the source of what we're talking about? Is it, you know, popular culture? Is it psychology? Is it highly motivational speaking? Or, uh, you know, what's the motive? And uh, so our motive here is taking the Word of God and uh, trying to explain it so that it applies to our lives with the impact of trying to have us have a profound relationship with God. You know, so it's not just knowing about God, it's so that we can live our lives with God in the picture, where we, you know, live according to His ways so that we could have the best possible life. So primarily, the way uh, preachers preach, and and I do the same, uh, is we'll use series. So we just finished preaching a series, being Easter, which we called the third day. And the focus there was the impact of Christ's resurrection on our daily lives. Now, uh, I'm going to now preach uh, a series out of Galatians. So this is what we call a book study. You take a book of the Bible and you just preach that book. And then after this, we're going to be doing a series on prayer. So that would be called topical. You take a topic and like how do you take that topic and, and uh, share it. Now most preachers preach topics. Uh, I'd say most preachers preach topics exclusively because preaching the books of the Bible has a different challenge. The challenge is uh, how do you make uh, the book of the Bible that you pick up uh, relevant to people today? So for instance, today I'm going to be uh, preaching out of the book of Galatians and the topic that we're going to be needing to address because it comes up straight away is circumcision. Now, I'm sure all of you woke up this morning thinking, I would love to just have the preacher preach about circumcision. I mean, it's just the thought that's on my mind all day long. It plagues me. I keep wondering about it. I, I just like don't know what to do about it. And, you know, finally the preacher's going to come up and he's going to give me some insight about circumcision. I'm just, I, I'm, I can't wait. Okay, do you understand from a preacher's standpoint why preachers don't preach, don't like to preach the books of the Bible? Because now you've got to make that topic practical and pertinent for us. And I think it's very practical, it's very pertinent. And by the way, I love to preach through the books of the Bible. Now, there are certain books which are easier to preach than others. Uh, If you've just been going through our Bible reading plan, and if you're in the place where I'm at, I just finished reading the book of Judges. And, you know, every time I finished reading the book of Judges, I'm thinking, thank goodness I'm finished the book of Judges. I mean, this is like, you know, it's like you just got to will your way through it. It's like, this is so depressing. You know, well, they mess up again, and then they mess up again. It's like, don't they get it, these idiots? You know, it's like, I mean, if you just follow God, it'll go well. But, you know, it, as soon as it starts going well for, for them, they just like move on. They ignore God, and then it goes badly. And, and you just read the, you know. It's, okay, so uh, it's a long-winded way of saying uh, when we read, when we preach out of a book, uh, it has its own particular uh, challenges. Now, I can't preach verse by verse, line by line, through the whole book of Galatians. Because if I did, even though it's a very, very short book, uh, I mean, that'll take us, you know, an extended time period, like the year. So you end up, even within the book, preaching some of the topics within the book. Uh, okay, just so that you get mindset. If you hear in the vineyard what you're going to get, you're going to get a book of the Bible once or twice a year, because I, I intentionally put them in. And you're going to get uh, pertinent uh, studies uh, for other parts of the year, you know, topical uh, studies. And we're going to be always g- having a season where we're in the Gospels, 
and we're going to always have a season where we're going to do something significant out of the Old Testament. That's just the way that I plan, uh, plan the year. Anyway, that was kind of a, a long-winded uh, warning to say we're going to talk about circumcision, so I better have something good to say about this topic. <laughs> All right, if you've got a Bible, uh, we're in Galatians chapter 5. He's like, how the heck do we get to chapter 5? This is only the second week of preaching. I thought you were going to preach for this book. Well, Jeff did a good job of chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4 last week. <laughs> and there's just a lot in chapter 5 and uh, a lot in chapter 6, and I don't, I don't want to miss all that. So uh, if you've got uh, your phone and you've got a Bible app, uh, follow along with me. Uh, but this is what, I, what it says out of the New Living Translation. Uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, you can follow along on the screen. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Okay, now it's like when you do a book study, the temptation is we want to, all of us want to ask the question, God, what are you saying to me today? Uh, And it's hard to get to that point straight away. You kind of have to start off with what is the book talking about? And what is the Apostle Paul who's written this book? What is he actually saying to the people in Galatia, these several churches in this region of Galatia? And why is he saying what he's saying? And then the next, once you've got that figured out, then the next step is, okay, so what's the principle of going, that's going on here? And how does that apply to us today? So he starts right off with saying he wants us to be free uh, in Christ. And Christ has set us free. And we need to make sure that we stay free and don't get tied up in slavery to the law. So uh, in another way, he's saying, listen, uh, don't revert back to Old Testament lifestyle. Uh, Christ has done something incredibly significant in your lives if you've received him. And I want you to keep that joy and that significance. Don't start adding rules and regulations, even if they were good rules and regulations from the Old Testament. And then it says, listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. I say it again. If you are trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. For if you are trying to uh, make yourself right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. But we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised to us. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. And here's the point of what I'm trying to say today. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. Okay, so firstly, like what exactly is going on here? So Paul, who's very, very Jewish, very, very smart, and has a very, very profound experience with Christ, where it totally changes his whole framework and becomes somebody that's just like, I need to go and tell people about Jesus, and willing to go to non-Jews and talk to them about Jesus. He starts a whole bunch of churches in this area of Galatia, and now uh, a bunch of years go by, and he realizes that these churches, which started off like with such excitement for Jesus, just like 
when you received Christ, maybe in the first uh, year or two of your life. And then it kind of like waned, and, and then there were like other people preaching, and, and then it kind of got confusing. And the confusion of the day was this, and it's a very easy confusion to understand how this came about. Uh, Jewish people were basically showing up at church, and they were saying, look, God is the God for the Jews. I mean, the Jews are the chosen people, and God did all these extraordinary things through Exodus. And, and, uh, and now, if you want the blessing of God, you need to be Jewish. You need to act like a Jew, and you need to believe in Jesus. And so they're saying, like circumcision. Uh, remember what God said to Abraham. This is what he said. He said, you need to be circumcised. And you know what? This is an everlasting commitment. And if you're not circumcised, you're out of here. Okay, so just understand the people hearing this. They're just trying to be good followers of God. And this sounds like a very logical thing. I mean, God said it. It's in the Word. It's in the Bible. They're like, why don't we do it? And Paul is coming along and he's saying, oh, no, 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 no. It's a whole new day. This isn't just like, you know, an add-on to the Old Testament. This is a new covenant. This is a whole new day, and it's a whole big deal. It's not like we just carry on doing the same old thing, and we just add a little bit of Jesus, and then we just carry... Oh, no, no, no. It, 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 it start again. And he's saying circumcision is like, just forget it. Now, just think about what that means today, right? People are reading the book of Genesis, chapter 17, and they're saying, wait, we need to be circumcised. So today, all Jewish people are circumcised. All Muslims are circumcised. Why? Because they're both are referring to the text in Genesis. And yeah, Paul's coming along and saying, okay, you Christians, which are from the Jews, don't be circumcised. I mean, that's like a big deal. Now, okay, again, you didn't wake up this morning thinking, okay, am I going to circumcise or not? What about... Now, maybe if you're pregnant and you happen to be having a boy, you'd be thinking, okay, do I need to get circumcised or not? Or, or you know, what's, is there any Christian connection here? And, you, you know, so maybe two of you, that's sort of relevant. But for the rest of you, it's like, ah, I'm not really thinking about it that much. But what we do pick up here is that the Apostle Paul is really red hot for Jesus. And he's not like just a flash in the pan where he's been excited about Jesus, you know, just when he had a conversion experience. You know, now, many years later, he is still as passionate about Jesus as he was in the beginning. And he's passionate that his followers are also following Jesus correctly and not doing uh, what tends to happen in human nature, which is start adding on things into our lives, uh, creating little rituals that sound like a good idea, uh, but aren't actually adding life. And so one of the things that we have to ask ourselves very seriously is, where am I, with, where am I at with Jesus? How is my faith at the moment? Is my faith getting hotter as it's staying hard, am I becoming complacent? Am I actually, if you're truthful about it, I'm actually bored with Jesus? I mean, it's hard to say. Am I bored with church? Uh, and then we need to ask ourselves a very honest and real question. What do we do to get our passion level and our excitement for God to be real again? And, you know, there's no... There's no one answer to this because each one of us is in a different place and have gone through different things and we need to have a different plan. But there's some sort of basics. 
you know, and one of them, you can pat yourself on the back or the person sitting next to you, you're here. You're in church. Uh, whatever circumstances brought you here today, you're here. And so that's like an awesome step in the right direction. Uh, if you stayed at home today, you probably wouldn't hear and wouldn't be reading and wouldn't be praying to Jesus. Uh, you would probably be doing something else, uh, distracted on something else. So, you know, being part of church, being part of a small group of, you know, Bible study or a, a life group that has a different focus. Now, in a Bible study, unlike a sermon, you can take the book of Galatians and you can go through it verse by verse by verse. And you're not worried so much about you know, what is the, the, the ramifications or the application? You, you, you're trying to understand the Bible verse by verse for what it's saying. And that's a very good thing. And that's why I highly encourage you to be part of a Bible study. Uh, the other uh, basic would be that you spend some time regularly reading the Word of God. Uh, another basic concept is you pray. And another basic concept is your worship. So, you know, like just five basic things. Show up at church, be part of a group, Bible study, life group, other believer group, you know, read your Bible, you know, pray. Uh, and what was the fifth one? I already forgot. Worship. Worship God. Listen to worship music. Be part of worship. You know, put some of that into your, uh, into your uh, diet. Now, I'm going to say something that is going to be very, very, very easily misunderstood. And all the serious Christians are going to be shocked. And you know, they want to speak to me afterwards and send me email. Please don't. Here's what I'm going to say. If reading the Bible for you is boring, don't read it. How is that for a shocking statement? Oh, Pastor, you're not supposed to say that. Let me put on a different term. If you're passionate about music and you've been playing and playing and playing and now you're just like so frustrated, you're just so sick of it, how about just not doing it? Like take, take, a, take a break, take a week off. You know, you can be passionate about sport. The problem is you so, we get so goal-orientated that our bodies can't keep up and then we just keep pounding more and more and more and more practice and the excitement and the joy just starts dissipating. You know, we can set ourselves up with a Bible reading plan that can be so, like, voluminous that all we're trying to do is get through this thing and it just becomes like a... it becomes like a, a, a problem. And what I'm saying is if that's where you're at, give it a break. Stop. I'm not saying stop reading the Bible forever. I'm saying stop reading the Bible until you develop a passion to read it again. Pick it up. You want to do this with enthusiasm. You know, uh, if you've got the, the Bible reading plan that I've been promoting and talking about quite a bit this year, uh, I like it. I, I really like it. And uh, I won't ask for a show of hands because uh, New Year's resolution is a long way away and we started this in the new year. But uh, my advice to you was to read through this chronological plan and uh, my other advice was don't follow the plan exactly as scripted. And Liza's got some more copies if I inspire you and you say, I want to get back on track or want to start this for the first time. Uh, read through the Bible in a year. And if you need one, you lost one, there's, there's copies in the back. And uh, here's the deal for where we're at today. And this is re really a wonderful thing. Here's how the Bible reading plan goes. Uh, you start reading Acts. You read Acts 
1 through 3, 4 through 6, 7 through 8, 9 through 10, 11 and 12, 13 and 14, and then it breaks. Then you do James. And then you do Acts 15 and 16, and then you do Galatians. Now this happens to be very significant, because if you read it this way, now the book of Galatians is in context, and you start reading like, okay, this is what Paul was arguing about in the council of Jerusalem, and he got together with all the apostles, and they had this big fight, and, and then finally they like disagreed, and then they agreed, and then Paul's like, you know, you dummies, Peter, you're supposed to be the rock of the church. Like, finally you get it. Now, let's deal with these issues, like circumcision. Let's deal with these issues that people are adding on to their personal lives, which is then making them dry in their faith with Christ. And Paul is saying, I want you to have vibrant, exciting faith. I don't want you to be held down by all these other customs. And I'm saying the same thing to you. I'm saying, I want you to have a vibrant faith. And you need to analyze your own life. And you need to ask yourself, do I need more Bible or do I need it less? Do I need more prayer in my life or do I need less? Do I need more worship in my life or do I need less? Uh, you know, and you need to make an honest assessment and say, you know what? My prayer routine is just like a routine. And this routine is like enslaved me. It's not helping me. It's hindering me. Find a new routine. Take a break. Do something different. If your Bible reading plan is not giving you life, do something different. Read less. Read more. Uh, do something different. Give it a break. The, I, the goal here is that you, you find Christ and this sense of passion when you read the Word of God, that you're excited to read it, and it gives you life. If you're just trying to get through the volume, it, it, it won't do it for you. I want to talk about uh, basketball because I know very little about basketball and apparently there's something happening here with the finals coming on and I know we've got some Cleveland fans here, the Cavaliers, but we won't ask them to shout because, you know, the Celtics aren't doing so great and then we've got Jeff's team, Oklahoma, they're doing pretty good. Jeff's hoping that they make it all the way tomorrow. But I want to talk about some guy called Curry because this guy really uh, is quite something. Stephen Curry uh, is somebody that's phenomenally talented. Now, what I want to point out is not so much basketball, and I really don't care if the Warriors win. I know Jeff cares. Or the Cavs, Le LeBron, LeBron James finally has his day. I know the Cleveland fans care about that. But the point I want to make is how phenomenally this guy trains. Because what I'm saying is this, when we have a passion for something, and I'm making an analogy with a passion for Christ, when you're passionate about it and you want to find Christ and you want to see Christ, you will do phenomenal things to get your lifestyle and get your habits into shape that help you to connect with Christ. Now, he's passionate about basketball. Now, his dad happens to be a phenomenal basketball player, so he's like, it's in his genes. I mean, he's, he's gifted just, I think, by birth. But that wasn't enough. This guy's training is like off the charts ridiculous. Okay, so not only is he like super, super talented, he's got this one routine where they've rigged up in the basketball court a whole bunch of buttons on the wall. And the buttons flash. It's like, you know, the kids game where you like hit the thing with a hammer and it pops up here and you hit it there and it pops. It's like this, but they're all on the wall and these things start flashing. And so what he's doing, he's standing at the wall and he's hitting the buttons as fast as they can. 
except he's dribbling a basketball at the same time. So here's a button, here's a button. And that wasn't good enough for him. He realized he had to like figure out two things at once. So you got another routine where he dribbles a basketball and then somebody throws him a tennis ball and then he throws the tennis ball back while dribbling a basketball. That wasn't good enough. So he gets two basketballs, different weights, the heavy one and the soft one. Bill, I mean, because he said, I need to train my head, my brain on two planes. I need to be able to have this dribbling thing while I can assess something else insane amount of you know dedication to this thing i mean i was looking at his three-point shot practice you know he does like some from this part of the three points some from there and like 50 shots he makes like 47 of them he like the last training thing he was just doing one each game like 200 shots from the three-point line before the game right and it's not unusual for him to do 77 three-pointers in a row before he misses one. So he does 100, and he gets like you know, 78, 76 out of 100, three-pointers. And he goes further and further back, eventually shooting from the tunnel where they come out, and he's still making them. I mean, do you understand? I mean, it's just like bizarre, like talent mixed with incredible discipline. If we're this passionate about Christ, I mean, we will worship Christ, we will read about Christ, we will study about Christ because we want to know him more. We want to have our lives be vibrant with Christ and we'll do like what it takes to make it happen. And what I'm saying is don't settle for something that's mediocre. If your life is flat, if your relationship with the Lord seems stale or dry, do something about it. Analyze it. Go and retreat. The men's retreat's coming up. That's like a good break. Maybe that's what you need. Uh, more fellowship. You know, come hike and walk and talk as we hike up the mountain, you know, do some worship where you don't have to necessarily you know, practice yourself. You can sit back and enjoy it if you're on the worship team. Uh, I mean, it's just a lot of things that we should be doing uh, to stay fresh in Christ. So if you've got a, <coughs> excuse me, if you've got a, a bullet insert with you, let me just uh, get around to finishing by, by looking at that. I think the questions we should be asking ourselves is this. How do you know that Christ has set you free? Just start with a basic question. In other words, this is a, a salvation question. This is a question of, have I received Christ and am I a Christian? And so you want to ask yourself that question. You know, for many, it's a, it's a vague concept. It's like, you know, I prayed, I asked Christ into my heart. I, I, I said to, you know, that I'm not perfect. And I said, I, I want to follow you. And uh, you didn't have any sort of lightning bolt experience. Uh, nothing seemed to change. And so now you're saying, well, am I Christian or aren't I Christian? And, uh, you know, for some people, it's an emotional experience. Uh, for some people, it's a very ordinary experience. Uh, it's not the emotions that's the issue. The issue is, where is your heart? Have you asked Christ to be Lord of your life? Uh, and if you've done that and you've, you've yielded yourself to Christ, you've welcomed the Holy Spirit to live within you, you are a Christian. Relax. Just enjoy it. Uh, enjoy the freedom that you have with it. You don't have to worry about a whole bunch of other rules and regulations. Uh, and that's the point that Paul is making again and again. He says, it's really, really simple. It's really, really hard. It's really, really simple to ask Christ in your life. And it's really, really hard to not keep adding all sorts of other things to try and shore it up and to have the confidence that Christ will guide you and will lead you 
And uh, in fact, uh, uh, next week, uh, that's going to be my sermon topic. How do we let the Spirit guide you? Because if you carry on in this section in Galatians chapter 5, it goes like this. It says, uh, pick it up on verse 13. It says, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. Don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. And for the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. Verse 16, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. And next week we're going to talk about how does the Holy Spirit guide our lives. Uh, and we'll do that. So the first point, if you're filling in these blanks, is just like, okay, don't guess whether you are or aren't saved, whether you are or not a Christian. Uh, give your life to the Lord. Surrender it. Let Him be in charge of your life. And the next point is the one I've been preaching on. Are you staying free? Evaluate your spiritual life and ask you, is it giving your life or is it sucking the life out of you? And if it's sucking the life out of you, you need to change something because your spiritual disciplines, your Bible reading, your attending church, it's supposed to give you life. And if it's not, something needs to change. And it might just be you pray to God and you say, God, you know, I'm reading your word. It's just like, uh, I'm just not getting a whole lot out of it. Can you inspire me? Will you illuminate it to me? Will you allow your Holy Spirit to uh, speak to me through it? it? It might be a simple prayer that have a dramatic uh, impact and change. And then the third question you want to ask yourself is, is my faith expressing itself in love? And if so, How? How are you living a life where you sense you're feeling God's love and you're able to express God's love to others? Both ends. How you're feeling and experiencing God's love and how you're giving God's love to others. Because you need to do both. But you need to start with receiving the love of Christ. You can't give something that you're not receiving. You can't give out of emptiness. If you're empty, you need to be filled. I mean, that's, that's the point again and again. So... Maybe I conclude it this way. If you've got meaningless routines, that's not a good thing. Because what you want is meaningful relationships. And you want to have meaningful routines to give yourself meaningful relationships. And don't let substitutes suck the life out of you. Now, when we finish worship, this is what I want you to do. Maybe there's one facet of your Christian walk, which, as I'm preaching, you say, I, I need to do this. I either need to be in a small group. Or maybe you say, you know, I need to take the, uh, just be obedient to God and get baptized. And we're going to have baptism class next week. And we're going to have baptism in two weeks after that. You say, you know, maybe I, I've received Christ and I, I, need to be, I need to take that step of obedience because something will happen. Maybe that's what you need to do. Or, you know, maybe you say, man, I, I, this is a whole new thing to me. I'm just going to try and commit to coming to church regularly. Whatever it is that's in your mind to do. Maybe you're going to pick up the Bible reading plan again and start, you know, right here. Fine, do that. Whatever it is, this is what I want you to do. I just want you to, uh, when we do prayer at the end, to just 
commit that to the Lord. You can do it silently in your seats, but more powerfully is you come up front and have somebody pray for you, and you tell them what it is that you want to do. You know, I, I, I want to increase my prayer life. That's all you have to say, and then just let them pray for you. And as they pray for you, what they're going to be doing, what happens when we pray, is we're asking the power of the, the Holy Spirit to fill you and to empower you that you would be supernaturally able to do the spiritual discipline that you need to do, that you know that you need to do, that God would put life into that. So your act of saying, I'm dependent on somebody else, which you are, and that person's going to pray for me, which they're going to do is an act of love towards you. And in doing so, the Spirit of God gets a chance to, to move. Why don't you stand and let's, uh, and let's worship and then we're going to... Um, and then we're going to pray. But I want to end by embarrassing somebody in this church, Melissa Leffingwell. Why don't you put Melissa's picture up there for me, Blake? Melissa didn't know this was coming, and, and, and I could put uh, uh, Liza, as, uh, Elisa's uh, photo up here as well. Here's somebody that serves in a very practical way, babysitting. The very thing that everybody just takes for granted. I just want a babysitter. And, you know, Melissa just like does this again and again. And, I, and I, the reason I want to just like highlight Melissa is because Dave and Melissa have been part of this church for like 15 years. And I've seen the seasons in their lives where Melissa served like crazy in children's ministry. And then feeling like, you know, I'm burning out. And then she takes a break. And she takes a break to get refreshed. And then she gets back involved. And then she's teaching a Bible study. And then she's doing a discipleship class. But she's always serving in some small way. And babysitting is a huge way that she's been serving the Lord in faith, in love. So thank you, Melissa. Let's worship. Thanks, Brian.